it's a great privilege to share with you again on um, financial stewardship. Um, shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this evening. We pray in Jesus' name. As we are gathered here, we pray that you teach us, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. And give us the grace, Lord. Give us wisdom. Give us ideas to make wealth, O oh God. And give us the wisdom to handle the wealth that you bring our way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So um, we started two weeks ago. And then I'm just going to do a quick summary. Two weeks ago, we looked at eight um, objectives that we need to set so, f- so far as um, financial stewardship is concerned. We said the first one is that we have to be faithful. And we said this is the foundation of stewardship. Since we established that everything we have belongs to God, then we have to be faithful in everything that we have. Because um, the scripture we read, our uncle scripture said, it is required of a steward that a man be found faithful. And the second thing we discussed was that um, we need to preserve our wealth for the next generation. Um, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Um, the third one was that we must grow our finances. As stewards um, of, of the finances that God has given us, we have to think about ways to grow our finances. We must not be selfish, which is the fourth one. The fifth one is that we must use our finances wisely. The sixth one is we must use god's resources to bring him glory um the seventh one was that we must not be covetous and then the eighth was we should not be obsessed with money so last last week we look at um we looked at five things like pastor steve said we said um we have to be frugal with our money um we have to use our money wisely make the best of every opportunity that comes our way um we have to negotiate well as well i mean because we'll be interacting with people We'll be doing business with people. We have to negotiate well. The next one was that we make savings a, a habit. And then the last one was um, hard work. The fact that you have the blessings of God upon you does not mean that uh, you, you, uh, it, it does not mean you don't have to work hard. Um, you look at all the people that God blessed in the Old Testament. They, they worked hard. And so... Um, the blessings of God requires that um, you work hard as well. Um, so today we are going to continue with a few points. Um, and then we will wrap up today. Okay, so I just want to read from Genesis chapter 27, verse 38 to 40. Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. His father, Isaac, answered him, Your dwelling will be away from the earth richness, away from the dew of heaven. You will live by the sword, and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will broke, I'm sorry, you will throw his yoke from your neck. I mean, this story is something we are very familiar with. When Jacob took away Esau's blessing, and Esau came later with the food to his father. And he asked his father, can you bless me? Can you just give me one blessing? His father had blessed Esau, giving him about 10 blessings. And his father said, no, there is no more blessing for you. But in verse 40, there's something that he told him that is very important. He says, when you grow restless, you throw his yoke from your neck. When you grow restless, you throw his yoke from your neck. 
And so the next point I want us to discuss is that we have to be determined, determination. We need to have a strong desire that we are going to increase our wealth. We need to have a strong desire that we are going to grow our money. Most of the times, this is one of the areas that Christians lack because Christians think that, oh, everything is going to be fine. And so there's no need to push. There's no need to have a desire and look for ways that you can, inc- you can increase your wealth or you can prosper. But then Jacob had taken all the blessing and all his father had to say to um, Esau was that when you grow restless, you will break his yoke from your neck even though esau was blessed now let's look at genesis chapter 33 when esau and jacob met after several years um, the bible says now jacob lifted up his eyes and looked and there and and there esau was coming and with him were, were 400 men this was a man who did not have any blessing this was a man who everything his father to- told him was that when you become restless, you break his yoke upon your neck. And the man was coming with 400 men. So he was actually a leader of 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rahel, and two ma- and the two maidservants. And he put the maidservant in their children in front. Leah and her children behind Rahel and Joseph last. Then he crossed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came to his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. And he lifted up his eyes and saw the woman and the children and said, Who are these with you? So he said, The children whom God has graciously given your servant. I thought, I thought um, Esau was supposed to serve Jacob. Now Jacob is calling himself a servant before Esau. Then the maid servant came near, they and their children and and they bowed down. And Leah also came near with the, her children. And they bowed down. Afterwards, Joseph and Rahel came near and they bowed down. So Joseph's, um, the whole of Joseph's entourage came to bow down before um, Esau. Meanwhile, the blessings that were, were proclaimed by Isaac on Jacob was that Esau was going to serve Jacob. But the Bible says that in verse 14 of the scripture that we read, it said, But when you become restless, you will break his yoke upon him, upon your neck. Then Esau said, what do you mean by all this company which I've met? And he said, these are to find favor in the sight of my Lord. Now Jacob is calling Esau my Lord. Even though Jacob, Esau was the one who was supposed to serve Jacob. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have. And so even though, even though Jacob had all the blessings and Esau the only thing his father proclaimed of, 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 upon his life is that when you become restless, you will break his yoke upon your neck. And so you can see that Esau has also prospered. And so in Esau's life, lifetime, he had enough and he didn't even need what Jacob wanted to give him. But Jacob pressed on him. Jacob forced him to take it. So even though he didn't have blessings, in quote, he pressed on. He was determined. It's this one at this point is connected to hard work. He was determined that he was going to make it. He became restless. There, there needs to come a time in everyone's life, in every believer, um, whether you're a believer or, or an unbeliever. I believe that the unbelievers have this quality more than believers. The unbelievers know that they don't have any supernatural force behind them. All they have is their their um their knowledge all they have is what they have learned. And so they are determined. They find the ways and means and sometimes they find 
and bad means to make it. As believers, we can't go that route, but we need some sort of determination that we are going to make it, that we are going to prosper, that we are going to excel in the thing that we are doing. Bible says when Esau becomes restless, he will break the yoke upon his neck. And at this point, you can see the results of what Esau has been doing for the past years when um, Jacob ran away from him. Jacob has been spend, spent his years doing so many things, serving his um, father-in-law. His father-in-law uh, cheated him so many times, changed his salary. So when you, when you compare their lives... Apart from, I mean, the fact that God had a blessing upon Jacob and that Israel was going to come out of Jacob and that um, Jesus Christ was going to come out of that route. It's the life of Jacob himself, the blessings that was declared upon him, you don't see those blessings. You don't see that he really lived up to those blessings. But his descendants, of course, because it was the word of God, it came to pass for his descendants. When you compare the life of Esau to the life of Jacob, you wonder which of them really had the blessings of Isaac. But you see that Esau was restless. And that was the declaration that his father made upon him. So we have to get to a point where we have this strong desire to make it. We need to have this strong desire that we are going to make it. And there's one thing that a lot of people lack because we leave everything in the hands of God and we say, oh, God is going to take care of everything. The fact that God is taking care of everything does not mean that you must not um, be alert and look for opportunity that you are going to prosper. We need to have a strong desire that no matter what is going to cost us, we are going to be determined. We are going to press on. We are going to ensure that what we are going to work hard. We are going to apply all the necessary principles that we have to apply so that we'll excel. And the good thing is that unlike Esau, we have the presence of God with us. We have the grace of God with us. We have the Holy Spirit to lead and to direct us to the right places. So what we... What we need is determination. We need to be determined. We need to have a strong desire that we want to excel and that we want to prosper. Amen. Many times I find that the people who have the desire to prosper, the people who have the desire to excel, most of the times they are the ones who have the results. They are the ones who have they are the ones who receive the blessings of prosperity. And so let's have the desire. Let's have the passion that we are going to make it and God with the blessings of God we will be able to excel in everything that we are doing amen now the, to balance that I added contentment that we have to be content there are people who um, who cross every line do everything that is wrong to make wealth but that is not our um, portion as believers when you read First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 to 11, the Bible says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we must be content with that. Those who want to be rich fall into temptation and a trap, and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires, and plunge into Plunge people into rain and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, um, some people um, eager, some some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And so we need to be content. Contentment is when um, Paul gave the example. He said, "I've learned to be content." 
whether I have more or I don't have. I've no, I know how to abound and I know how to abase. I know how to go hungry and I know how to be satisfied. And so we need whatever stage we are, wherever we find ourselves, we need that contentment so that we'll be, we'll not be covetous so that we will not be jealous of what other people have and and even it helps us to serve god and it helps us to believe god that he's the one who's going to provide for us and so we need contentment we need to be content in whatever states that we are contentment does not mean you don't have a desire for more but you have to be content for with what you have now even as you desire um, um god's blessing and you desire to have more of um God's resources, whatever stage you are in now, you have to be content and you have to continue believing God that he's going to bless you. Even as you are content with what you are, you don't have to envy what other people have. And if you don't have, you don't have to pretend as if you have. Just live within your means. You don't have to try to impress anybody. You just live within the means that God has given you. Trusting in the faithfulness of God contentment will will um stop you from sharing so there's a lot of tears that we share it's because we are envious of what other people have but if we believe god and we are just content with what he has given us and continue to trust him continue to be determined continue to be faithful with god and trusting that he's going to bless you so the next thing that i wanted to talk about is um contentment in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13, the Bible says, Now that I not that I speak in regard of need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me, who strengthens me. I mean, verse 13, a lot of, we quote a lot, verse 13 a lot. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But Paul spoke about being content before he said, I can do all things. And so we need to learn to live on both sides. When we have more, we, we should le- learn how to live. And we don't have anything at all. When we lack to, we should know how to live. And we ha- our lifestyle or our relationship with God should not be affected by what we have or what happens um, to us with regards to our, our, our um, finances. And so whether God blesses you or he doesn't bless you, whether you have abundance or you don't have abundance, you have to be faithful to God. Like, um, like the, the Hebrew boy said, we, do, we need not think about this. If God delivers us, fine. If he doesn't deliver us, deliver us we will not bow. And so we need to be content no matter where we find ourselves, no matter what we have or what we are expecting from God that we have not yet received, we need to, we still need to be content. I know that most people or all of us have a desire um, to be rich. We, we have a desire to have abundance. But in any case, no matter where you find yourself, first of all, you need to learn the principle of contentment. As you as you you are trusting God, as you are being faithful with the little you have, Bible says, who he who is faithful in little will be faithful in much. As you are being faithful in the little you have, as you're trusting God to give you more, you just have to be content and live within your means. Amen. Now, the next thing I want us to talk about, the last but one, is that we need to have an expectation that God is going to bless us which is very, very important. 
there are a lot of um because of um there, there have been a lot of teachings on um finances and um there are a lot of people who overemphasize um money finances and so a lot of believers have written off the fact that god can bless us with wealth but the truth is that God can bless us. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? When you read Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 27, the Bible says, Behold, I am the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? We need to know that there is nothing too hard for the Lord. There is nothing impossible for God. As God has given us the grace and has blessed us with salvation, I believe that the most expensive thing to God would have been salvation. If there was anything to be expensive, if there was anything too expensive for God or anything that would be expensive for God, then that would be salvation. But even in salvation, he gave us his only son in sal- to, to, um, to, so that we will be saved. And after salvation, what more won't God be able to give us? So we need to have an expectation that God is able to bless us financially. God is able to increase our finances. Now, there's an interesting scripture in, in the Bible. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 24 to 27. The Bible says that when they had come to Capernaum, those who received the, the temple tax came to Peter and said, Does your t-shirt... Um, does your teacher not pay the temple tax? He said, yes. And when they had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him saying, what do, you th- what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take customs and taxes? From their sons or from strangers? Peter said to him, from strangers. Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take a fish that take and take the fish that comes out first. And when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and you. This is a very interesting passage. And this is this is a miracle actually. I mean, I was thinking about the miracle, how this thing, how uh, we should look at this miracle. First, I see two or three important things here. We know that fishes don't eat money. Second, Peter was going to cast a hook in the sea. As wide and as big as the sea is, is. How possible was it that the fish that had the money in its mouth was the one who came to the hook? This is to tell us that there is nothing impossible for God. He is the God of all flesh. I believe that God, Jesus Christ, released the word and the word just spoke to the fish. I don't know how the money got into the mouth of the fish, but he is the God who is able to do the impossible. He is the God who is able to do what we cannot think about, what we, what we cannot conceive. How can a fish have money in his mouth? And how is it that when Peter put in the hook in the sea, that particular fish who had the money in his mouth was the first one who came out. 
And Peter took the money out of his mouth to go and pay their taxes. And so we can trust God that he has done this before and we read about it today. Then we can trust him that no matter the situation, no matter how difficult things turn out, no matter how impossible things appear, the, the same God who is the God of all flesh. And remember, in our dealings here on earth, we'll be dealing with flesh. We'll be dealing with blood. And he is the God of all flesh. If he has to speak to a man, if he has to show a man a dream, if he has to bring somebody your way, if he has to give you an idea as the God of all flesh, it is not impossible for God to do it. It is not too hard for him. Bible says that it is impossible for God to lie. And so we can trust God that he can provide for us. We can trust him that he's going to supply our needs. We can just trust him that he can bless us with finances. And this is one area that we all need to trust God. We might not know how it's going to happen. Just like Jesus directed Peter to go to the sea and cast a hook in the sea. And the fish that comes out, he should take the money out of the mouth of the fish. I mean, who could have thought about it, that this is going to happen? How, even if you think about it now in the natural sense, as big as the sea is, how, I mean, you, you, could, you could tell that God guided the fish straight to the hook so that Peter can get the money out of the mouth of the fish. And so we have to expand our faith. We have to increase our faith with the area in the area of our finances that we are trusting God that he's able to supply every single need. We have to trust God that he can bless us, that he can increase our finances, that he can bless us with wealth. Amen. Now, the Bible tells us in Psalm 107, verse 37, that he brought Israel out of he brought out Israel laden with silver and with gold. Now, what God wanted to do for Israel was to release them from the Egyptians. God wanted to set them free from slavery. But even in setting Israel free from slavery, he did not bring them out empty-handed but bible says that he brought them out with silver and with gold god knew that they would need silver and gold i mean how would it make sense that a slave will go out to his master and say that i want to borrow from you i want to borrow silver i want to borrow gold from you and his master will still agree to give the gold and the silver to the servant it doesn't make sense because how how was the servant going to repay but God is able to do these things. And so Bible says, even when he brought them out, I mean, what they prayed for, what they asked God for, was that he should bring them out. He should set them free from their tax masters. But God also brought them out. He did not bring them out empty-handed, but he brought them out with silver and with gold. And so you should know that God has the ability to bless us. And he knows that we need these things. And the Bible says that these things, the people in the world seek after. But your father know that you have need of them. And so he's going to give them to you. And so this evening, I want us to have an expectation. That is the point we are discussing. That we need to have an expectation that God will bless us. 
we need to increase our faith in the area of the fact that God can bless us with wealth. Everything that the people in the world have is their determination and their desire, their hard work. And these are the principles that we have learned. But we have a supernatural hand that is going to bless us. We have a supernatural hand that is going to lead us. We have a supernatural hand that is going to direct us. God told the Israelites that you should remember the Lord Lord your God, for it is him who gives you the ability to make wealth. And so God is able to grant us the ability to make wealth. It's able to grant us the favor that we need to be able to prosper. And so we need to have trust in God in every area of us uh, of our lives. Let's not trust him only with our salvation and with our spiritual lives and with our healing. But let's trust him in the area of our finances that he's able to bless us. He's able to increase us in that area too. Because I don't think that there is anything that limits God or there is anything impossible for God or there is any aspect of our lives that is not important to God or there is any aspect of our lives that God cannot supply. And if God can supply us our Father, then I believe that He's able to give the, the riches of the world to us. He's able to bless us as well. If he's, a fa- he's a, if he's our father and everything in the world belongs to him, then we can trust him that he will give it to us as well. And so we need to trust God in these areas. The problem is when we apply only the principles and we leave out the faith aspect, then we begin to operate in a natural sense. Or when we apply only the faith aspect, there are people who also believe God, trust, they sow seed, they pray, they fast, they sow seed, and they pray, they call money, come, money, come, money, come, and they don't apply the principles that um, is going to make them wealthy. But if we add the principles and we add the divine hand of God and the divine provision of God, and we believe God to increase us in that area, I believe that there is nothing impossible that God cannot do. And so let's trust God in the area of our money. Let's begin to increase our faith. I remember when um, Pastor Frank um, taught us about faith. He said there are areas in our lives that we need to increase our faith in. Not that we'll become obsessed with money. Not that we will not become content. But then we need to increase our faith in this area too because it is one of the areas that God... It, it, um, one of the areas that a lot of us limit God, but let's begin to see that He is the God of all flesh. He's the God of all things. The silver belongs to Him. The gold belongs to Him. And He's able to bless us. Amen. In Psalm 112, verse 1 to 3, the Bible says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the, is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in His commandment. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house. Verse 3 says, wealth and riches will be in his house. And so this was a blessing that we see in the book of Psalms. That the man who fears the Lord, the generation of the upright will be blessed. And then wealth and riches will be in his house. When we look at the life of Abraham, look at the life of um, Isaac, Jacob, all the people who walk with God, the people we call our fathers, God blessed them. He increased them. Even though God had one promise for Abraham, we see that Abraham was blessed in all his house. That Abraham as one man, he had his own private army. 
He didn't have just security guards, but then he had private army, like an army that he can take out for battle. That was the blessings that God had given um, Abraham, that he had horses, that he had, he had cattle. At a point in time, the Bible says that the, 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 the field could not contain the cattle that Abraham and Lot had because they had so much and they had to be separated. And so if God has these blessings for Abraham, and the Bible says that spiritually we are the descendants of Abraham and the blessings of Abraham is also upon us, then we cannot limit the blessings of Abraham to just the spiritual blessings. But all the physical blessings that God blessed Abraham with, we can trust God to bless us in that area as well. And so... This evening, let's begin to trust God in the area of our finances. Let's begin when we pray. Let's just trust him that he's able to direct us and lead us to the right places. Where whatever wealth that he has prepared for us, he's able to give that to us as well. And so let's begin believing God in the area of our finances. Let's increase our faith in that area and see God perform. Um, miracles in our lives with regards to our finances now in luke chapter 18 verse 18 to 29 the bible says now a certain ruler asked him saying good teacher what shall i do to inherit eternal life so jesus said to him why do you call me good no one is good but one that is god you know the commandment do not commit adultery do not murder do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And he said, All these things I have kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he became, so, he became very sorrowful, he said, How hard is it for those who have riches? The other version says, Those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easy for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, Who can then be saved? But he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Then Peter said, See, we have left all and followed you. So he said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more in the present time and in the age to come eternal life. So when Peter heard that it is difficult for people who trust in riches or people who have riches to enter the kingdom of God, the Bible says they were all surprised and they asked who then can be saved. Then Jesus told them, if what is impossible for man, it is possible for God. Then Peter said, hey, if that is the case, Lord, we have left all things. I think that and when I was reading this thing today, I, I was beginning to think that maybe Peter was expecting that as follow, when, they were, as, when they are following Jesus Christ, as they have abandoned everything and followed Jesus Christ, they were going to make, be very rich and get some money. So Peter said, hey, if this is the case, if you are saying that 
rich men, it will be difficult for rich men to enter the kingdom of God. Then what about us? Because we have left all things and we, we are um, to follow you. But Jesus Christ promised them that if, verse 30 says that, um, from verse 20, now he said it to them, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many more times in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. So Jesus Christ promised Peter that whatever you live, whatever you sacrifice for the kingdom of God, he Verse 30 sounds like he's promising him that in this present age, there is a blessing for you. And in the kingdom, in the, in the next um, um, life or afterlife, you're going to inherit eternal life. And so let's not limit the promises of God or the promises of Jesus Christ to just eternal life or spiritual blessings. But there we He's able to bless our finances as well if we will trust him. He's able to increase our wealth as well if we will trust him. If we begin to apply the principles that we have learned or every, every other good principle that we see in the Bible concerning finances and trust him that being our Lord and being our God, he will, he will bring us a blessing. He will increase us and bring us supernatural increase. In every area of our lives, including our finances. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is giving. The reason why I put this one last is because whenever you talk about finances in church, the first thing that people's mind will go on is, oh, they are going to talk about giving. But that is not the purpose of these teachings. The purpose of this teaching, first of all, is that we will understand how to be good stewards of our finances and as being good stewards there is no way we can take we can take um out giving to the work of god um out of stewardship in second corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 to 8 the bible says that but this i say he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purpose in his heart. Now look at the connection between verse 6 and verse 7. He's talking about sow, sowing seed, and then he shifted to giving. And when you read the preceding verse, Paul was talking about money. He was talking about the fact that he was talking about the collection for the church, that people should make, make their collection ready um, for the church in Jerusalem. And he was talking about the fact that they should make their mo money ready. And that he's saying that, verse, let me read verse 7 again. So he says, let each one give as he purpose in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. I like what Pastor Steve said the, uh, one, one, one day when we were about to give offering. He says that if you think you don't understand why you should give in church, or you feel you are giving out of compulsion, then please use your money to buy lunch. Don't bother giving. But if you understand, you need to understand the reason why you give in church. And Paul was, is the same point Paul was making here. He said, not out of necessity. Don't most of the times we have made it part of the church ritual that oh if I go to church, we'll sing praises, 
we listen to the word of God, then the last thing we'll do is that we'll give offering. And so most of us give offering as part of a religious activity, but not really understanding why we are giving our offering. Not really understanding. Or sometimes people even give their offering with no expectation from God that he's able to bless them back, that he's able to give them again. But from this evening, I want us to change that because when you read verse 6, it says, He who sows... And then he ch- he changes, he doesn't use the word source again, but then he says, so let each one give. And so what Paul was saying is that giving is sowing. And so when we sow bountifully, we are going to reap bountifully. It means that when we give bountifully, we are going to reap bountifully. And um, um, in recent times, I've had a lot of people criticize. I mean, whenever people talk about finances and uh, prosperity, People are condemning prosperity gospel. The main reason why they are con- condemning prosperity gospel is because they feel that, oh, they will tell the members to give. And recently, um, I was just having a discussion with Lily. And people were saying, oh, there are certain pastors who have um, private jets. And, and I mean, these are very uncomfortable conversations to have when you meet somebody and they say, why does a pastor have a private jet, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes you hear Christians even criticizing why a pastor, the pastor of that church should have a private jet. And I asked Lily that, is the church members complaining? Usually when you see them, the people who are complaining, they are not part of the church. They are not the church members. Surprisingly, the pastors that other Christians are talking against, why they have private jet. On their birthday, their church members will contribute and buy them another private jet. So we wonder why, why then, so I was asking, so why are people outside the church rather complaining and those within the church, on their pastor's birthday, they can contribute again and buy the pastor another private jet. Out of, the pastor has no asked them. So I feel that maybe, I have I, not concluded yet, but maybe there is an understanding that these people have that we, those outside the church, don't have. And I'm not justifying anything, but I'm, I was just having a discussion with you, which I'm sharing with you. And so we can trust God that when we give, he will give back to us, as the Bible says. And so Bible, um, this verse also tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. And so when you are giving in church, give out of understanding and have an expectation that God is able to bless you. In verse 8, it says that, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may, ab- may have abundance for every good work. He says that you having all sufficiency, so you have sufficiency and you have abundance for every good work. So God is promising us abundance for every good work. Once we set our heart to do every good work that God has given us, once we set our heart to obey him and to be good stewards of the resources that he has given us, the Bible says he's able to make grace. God can make the grace, every grace that you need available toward you so that in everything, including your finances, money, you have all sufficiency in all things and you may abound you may have an abundance for every good work and so let's begin to believe god for an abundance 
let's believe God that he's able to cause us to when when Peter um when Peter when Jesus Christ performed the miracle for Peter he, he didn't even look at the the size of their boat he says at a point in time their boat began to sink and they called on their partners and their partners also filled their boat and their boat also began to sink that is the kind of God that we serve who is able to give us an overflow of our expectation. Once we can increase our faith and believe God in this area of our lives, knowing that he can give us an overflow. When Jesus Christ gave them the bread to eat, there was abundance, there was enough. And they were even able to gather seven baskets in one on one occasion. They gathered 12 baskets on, an, in, on another occasion. When he performed the miracle of the wine, there was abundance that they were able to drink and have enough. And they, it's, it's not like they, they ran out as, at a certain point in time. That is the kind of God that we serve. He is a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think about. Or we even expect or even ask him. And so this evening, the, you see, the good thing about this is that when our finances increase, we can promote the work of God. We can do more for God. If as believers, if we have more resources, we can reach more people for God. We can touch more people for God. We can do the work of God better as our resources increase. And so let's begin to believe God in this area of our lives with regards to our finances. As we apply the physical principles, let's see the supernatural hand of God also working in the area of our finances. Let's add prayer to every financial decision that we are going to take. Let's trust God that he will lead us and he will guide us. Of course, prayer definitely is our first um, it's our first point of call in every decision and in every action that we take as believers. And so let's trust God and let's begin to increase our faith in this area as well. Because the Bible says he's able to make grace abound towards us. So that having sufficiency in all things, always. So there is no point that we are going to lack or we are going to run out. He says we are always having all sufficiency in all things. You may have abundance for every good work. I pray that God will bless us with abundance as we set our hearts to be good stewards of the resources that he has given us. As we set our hearts to obey him, I pray that we will abound in all things and in our finances as well. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Um, is there any question? Right, so let's. I, I want us to, um, in, in the absence of any question, I want us to pray. And Pastor Jessica, I see your message here as well. Um, let's okay, so I actually had a question from last week, I didn't get to ask this week. Okay, 